Live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet with a new tattoo. Yes. I, I mean, like, wait. Only one of us. The podcast doesn't have a tattoo. Well. How would you even do that? We could get the. Would you. Dad wants to brag about his would you full arm tattoo. Put, he got. <laughs> yeah. Pictures. But it is related. It pictures is related. at Facebook.com slash. It is related. It, it, it is related to the show. I'm actually going to make it the uh, the entire homepage of Noobs in the Hoover. <laughs> yeah. It's just okay. going to be an image. Just, it's just going to no be links, like. No menu. Massive. That's all you get. Is, it's just the picture. Yes. Just hey, the it's the uh, Noobs in the Hoobian. My name is Austin and I'm the Hoobian. These are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And we're, we're the, the noobs. noobs. And this is the podcast that's introducing a whole new generation to Star Trek The Next Generation by watching an episode each and every single week or or, or maybe just twice. this week. Maybe yeah. twice in the entire yeah. run. And uh, no, wait. No, no, no. The, the last week, one was Deep Space Nine. So watching a, so, a, like a, an episode... One time, one time and discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before and, and two, two sons, sons who, who haven't and one well one I son had. who thought maybe he had no i think i had which made this really? episode even better because i was having deja vu, <laughs> you were having deja vu. about the that. episode oh, hey, yeah. so welcome to episode number 195 covering timey-wimey number 20 star trek the next generation season 5 episode 18 cause and effect this is the one where they established that data could stack the deck so that it wasn't a surprise when he did and there's a glass that has no effect on the plot, even though Dad led us to believe. <laughs> yeah, you were like, <laughs> even though the, the episode led us to believe. Important glass ever. I, I was no. literally reading a note on the Wikia. So there's there's a uh, uh, a Star Trek fandom, just like obviously, you know. So there's Tardis.fandom.com. Yeah. There's MemoryAlpha.fandom.com. Oh. MemoryAlpha is a thing within the internet. Anyway, <laughs> and I was literally reading in the notes on this episode about. The last time through when the glass broke over the the comms system. Remember the last time we weren't with Beverly, we were with Jordy and Data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we heard the glass break over the comms system. So there was a note about that as we were watching the first time through with the glass. Yeah. And so I said something about it. I forget what I even said. You're like, there's the most important glass. Is ever. that what it was? <laughs> it's like the most important glass in the universe? Because it was a weird thing where was like, what? it was like of all the things that were repeated in the loops, that was that the only one, one that was, was repeated. Like the same. It was repeated in a different way. It was it broke a different oh, yeah. way every single time we she, saw it break. She intentionally tried to like not break yeah. it, right? And then yeah, no, so like the like, way wait. they did that was almost yeah, to was imply like, that yeah. glass Is was going to help the them get out. Is this the key to the whole yeah. thing? Yeah, so it's ridiculous. Hey, um, so who's responsible for this? Uh, this episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, who is. Riker. Oh. He actually took a stab at, a, I don't know if this was his first uh, time directing, but um, a number of the cast ended up directing episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure um, LeVar Burton directed at least once. Um, I think Patrick Stewart did, but I'm not. I'm not Is huh. this just what happens when a show goes on long enough? Because it was like the same kind thing of. with The Office. They yes. just all started working yeah. episodes. And if you notice, though, the, the people that do that more than once tend to keep doing that. Yeah. As yeah. evidenced by the fact that Jonathan Frakes is still directing. Working on the day. show, you kind of figure out what directors do and how you would do it better. Yeah. So the, the ones that not, are going the ones that not are a going weird to translation it, between the two. Right. And and the ones that lean into it, and like Corbin said, you're, this show ran for seven seasons. Oh, yeah. So they're around the same crew for long enough that, you know, you strike up a conversation at lunch and, you know, like, so how do you do this? And, you know, so it, it grows. So uh, Jonathan Frakes has also, um, 
oh gosh, you know what? I meant to look this up. I think that he holds the record for most uh, Star Trek series appearances. Really? So Worf, I think, has the record for um, like most episodes because he was in the entire run of TNG, all seven seasons of TNG. And then when that went off the air, he joined season three, I think, of Deep Space Nine and ran the next. It ran seven seasons as well. And then he was in all of the the next generation movies. So I think he has like the longest, like longest running. But Jonathan Frakes has appeared um, as either Riker or his duplicate, which we watched that episode, didn't we? Yeah. At any rate, spoiler alert, there's an episode where he gets cloned in a transporter accident. That's all you need to know. And, and so he has appeared in, in, um, TNG. I take that back. He appeared in deep space nine as William Riker. He comes back later as Thomas Riker. He was in like the first episode. Like, I think, I think like the entire next generation cast was in like the pilot episode of deep, deep space nine or something like that. He also made an appearance in an episode of Voyager where Q randomly pulled some people out of time and space and put them on the Voyager um, to, to try and what? prove a point. And he grabbed like Sir Isaac Newton, some dude that was at Woodstock and Commander Riker. Wow. Obviously. Okay. And then who else did you pick? You know? And then in what is arguably the most disappointing episode of Enterprise, he appears in the finale. He and um, Deanna Troy appear in the finale as their as themselves. Wow. He has since appeared in uh, uh, Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember remember when uh, what's his dude, one of the main characters, goes to the other ship, the Titan? Oh, yeah. The captain of the Titan is, is what I would call ultimate Riker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's Riker finally as a captain, but, they t- but because it's Lower Decks, they took the most cowboy outlandish mm-hmm. parts of Riker's character dialed it to 11 it and up. said this is his one note yeah. and i love it he has also appeared in picard what yes because because of course he has how yeah. old is this guy right now um i'm not sure probably like, in his 60s yeah i, I mean he's younger say. than he's younger than patrick stewart yeah, yeah. and and, he's and there's no way they were gonna go they were gonna do a picard, picard series and not yeah. feature data and Riker. Uh, Troy also made an appearance in, in Picard. Yeah. Now, season two of Picard is, is a, actually just came out. I don't know if he's in that. But I mean, that basically means he's been in everything but Discovery. Like, Watch it. After you TNG, said that. <laughs> after TNG, he's been in everything but... I don't think he's been in Discovery. That would be weird. Um, no. But yeah, he's been that in be every other show out. besides Discovery. And then pretty soon we'll have um, Strange New Worlds that that would be really shoehorned in if they, if they got him in there, but I would, I would yeah. still love it. I would still love to Why? see him. No, I would still would, love it no. because it's in his past by like a century. Yeah. So I would love to, them to figure out a way for him to appear in there. Oh, and he hasn't appeared in prodigy, which is the animated one. Oh. So, but at any rate, still, that still doesn't take place. Like, he has been in more iterations of the show than any other character yeah. in, in all of star Trek. But in the last couple of years, he hasn't been showing up in all of them. No, in the last couple of years he has, he was in lower decks. He was in Picard. But I'm saying like some of the newer ones, like like Prodigy or yeah. Discovery yeah. and stuff. Like hey, a there's few, still time. There's a few time. that he couldn't. Yeah. Prod- exactly Prodigy get is into. leaning into Voyager, apparently. Definitely, oh, he's going to be one of those android guys, and he's going to show up 
centuries later <laughs> in Discovery. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he got downloaded into a into oh a robot God. or something. That, that would be terrible. Days. Hey, uh, that's the director. Um, it was also <laughs> written by Brandon Braga, who. Um, oh my gosh! What did we watch yesterday? What did we watch? What? Wait. Yesterday oh, crap. we didn't watch it. Or you... or the day or Friday Friday night? Did we watch something? What? Brandon Braga wrote something? something else that I watched this weekend. And now I can't think a of what it was. Or? What have we watched? It was a, t- it was a TV show. It was a TV show. What? And I don't even think it was an, because I, I watched some discovery that he may or may not have written. I don't remember. But we, the only thing we watched this week was like the office. Or oh, no, no, no. It's, it's my next note. <laughs> it's my next note. We didn't watch it. We didn't watch it, but it was on my, it was on my radar. He wrote for the next generation Voyager enterprise. He wrote, um, wrote or directed Star Trek generations. The first next generation movie and first contact. He also, as while he was writing for Voyager, he wrote year of hell, which was the other episode I was thinking about doing this week. Oh, that was the Voyager episode Hmm. that I was going to watch. And I was like, this guy's just got a thing for time travel, maybe, (laughs) but you know, totally, totally works. Um, he also appeared as a random character in star Trek. First contract, uh, first contract. That was when they were in early negotiations. It was their first contract. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, first contact, he appeared as like some random character in a bar or something like that. Oh. I think uncredited, but he's, he's there. Um, he decided, get this, get this. Okay, don't read ahead. <laughs> he decided he wanted to do a time travel story. And he had never seen one involving someone stuck in a time loop. And you go, what? what? Yeah, what? That's like the most. This episode aired thing. in 1992. And if you'll think back. Groundhog Day released in 1993. So he did it first. So he said in a DVD commentary, everybody talks about when when you're talking about a time loop, everybody says Groundhog Day. And he said he's even heard people refer to this episode as, like we've said, Groundhog Day in space or Groundhog Day. But it's Star Trek. But he said, I did it first. We did it first. first. And I'm like, wait a minute. It broke my brain. And I can't think of a counter example. No. But he said he had never seen a time travel story about someone stuck in a time loop. And I'm like, how? How had that's that like never happened prior to the trope ever? Right? It's like nowadays we're it's like, that's like any sci-fi show that runs long enough yeah, is going to have a time loop time. episode. Um, but I, he wasn't familiar with one. So, yeah. so that's not to say one had never been done. But he There's had, probably he plenty of books and audio no, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure TV Asimov wise? did one. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's what he decided to do. So at any rate. Um, so, hey, where do I know that guy from? We, we uh, already hinted at uh, Jean-Luc Picard, played by Sir Patrick Stewart. That's Mr. Sir to you. What? Um, <laughs> um, also played uh, Professor X. So that might be yes. where, where you might also know him from. Um, famous, like, uh, Shakespearean actor. Very serious guy who came to this role. And if you, like, look at his career now and, like, look... Look at him and Ian McKellen, who are in real life like besties, and they are the goofiest people. Like watch them on like Graham Norton or something, and they're hilarious together. And when you think when he was originally cast in this role, everyone from the fans to the executives thought this is not going to work. This guy is going oh, yeah, to be no. way too serious for this role. And what's funny is I would argue TNG was a more serious show than the original series. Like, yeah, it had some depth and some gravitas, whereas TOS is always kind of like can't, panned as being too camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not that TNG was never camp, 
but uh-huh. it, it, it tended to be much more serious in, in, a, in a way. And I, I would venture to say that Patrick Stewart probably had a part in that as, you know, Jean-Luc Picard. By the way, Jean-Luc Picard, <clears throat> French, French face, yeah, played by famous Shakespearean British actor, <laughs> uh, which also, you know, um, there's even some in-universe jokes about his accent not being French. And, yeah, so. uh, Jordy LaForge, you might have gone, you know, if you took that guy's, uh, if you took that hairband off of that guy's face, that, that, that hair accessory that my mom wore in the 80s, if you took that off of his face, I feel like I recognize that guy. That's because he's LeVar Burton of Reading Rainbow fame, who is also experiencing a bit of a, uh, a, a resurgence in his career. Um, he has done lots of stuff. He's, he wasn't just Jordy LaForge. Um, his breakout role was in, uh, in the movie Roots, uh, which was before this. Um, and uh, he did Reading Rainbow, those, I believe, Reading Rainbow ran concurrently with Star Trek, The Next oh. Generation. So he has an episode where they went to the Enterprise to see, like, not the Enterprise, but the set of the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Um, they didn't like, hey, kids, we're going to space. I, like, they went to the show. <laughs> they went to the show. She's like, hey, guys, we're going to space. Yeah. Puts on the goggles. Oh, they oh. so great if he put a visor on. Um, and he, in recent years... There was a little bit of a resurgence with reading Rainbow. There was an attempt to like bring it back, but in a different, like a like in a newer, like a modern, you know, format and that kind of thing. He was also there was a huge groundswell of fan support for him to replace Alex Trebek on Jeopardy, which really? never happened. Oh. I don't even know if he ended up guest hosting because there was a period of time where they were like doing different guest hosts, and I don't even think I don't know if he even got a chance to do that. Maybe, maybe he did. I, I don't remember. Um, Captain Bateson. Okay, he was the captain of the Bozeman uh, that we met at the very end uh, of the other ship that was stuck in the uh, time loop, or was it? We'll talk about that in a minute. Played by Kelsey Grammer, who was famous for his role as Fraser Crane in uh, both Cheers and Fraser. Cheers was a show uh, that ran for, for years, and maybe 10 years, I think, and had a very successful spinoff show called Fraser, where this guy, Fraser Crane, who was you know a, a regular at the bar, spun off he moved to seattle and became a, a radio personality as a as a therapist and everything that was his he was a therapist in the show in cheers so he did his own show called fraser which also ran for like seven or eight seasons i mean it was like arguably as successful as cheers um and i can't i i just can't see his face and not think about fraser he's done other stuff since then notably he sides show bob in the simpsons which is one of my favorite roles that he's ever done um a mute uh, and and up to that point mute clown who when he opens his mouth sounds like Fraser Crane sounds like very posh well-educated guy he's literally a shirtless crazy-haired clown who doesn't speak for like three seasons and then when he does that's the voice that comes out it turns out he's a genius and of course now um Savick who was a um a uh uh <laughs> Yeah. What? Why did mm-hmm. my brain shut up? The dog started barking and it was and like, it just... interrupted my, my, my brain waves. Um, a, a, um, Vulcan. Gosh, the dog. Yeah. Okay. Kirstie Alley played Savick, the Vulcan. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Can y'all hear this? I'm wondering if the, if the, if the listeners can hear the dogs going off as well as we can. We're, 
we not only have our two dogs, we are dog sitting two additional yeah. dogs mm-hmm. who are just a great, fun little party. Yeah. At any rate, um, Kirstie Alley uh, played Savick, the Vulcan, in uh, I don't know Star Trek two or three, one of the original movies, and they wanted to get her to be the officer that was standing next to Captain Bateson on the bridge of the Bozeman, but scheduling conflicts prevented it. So that's why there's some random woman just, wow. you know, like presumably his first officer or whatever, because the Bozeman um, came from her time period. So she was part of like the original series era in the movies. And so that's the time frame that the Bozeman was supposed to have come out of. So that would have been a really cool nod that just literally scheduling conflicts prevented it from happening. So instead mm-hmm. we get, you know, officer, Rando. You know, random first officer in the background who is, is uncredited. And I didn't even bother um, looking up who that was. Wow. Um, That's how unimportant she was. So quotables, I had to write down one of my favorite lines in uh, that Data has ever uttered, flips out the card, still no help for the Klingon. (laughs) His whole persona while he's dealing those cards, because I don't know, I don't remember how much of the show y'all have seen. What, the first two seasons? Uh, Y'all know Data. Yeah. No emotions. So very monotone. You know, never any, uh, not much personality. There was an episode where they tried to like get him emotion somehow, or like that's like I his feel whole like character, isn't it? He was. Oh, they yeah. they tried to de- he's develop some kind of like emotion. <laughs> he's, or he's Pinocchio. He wants to be a real boy. That's his space whole, Pinocchio. Yeah. That's his space Pinocchio. <laughs> so um, yeah, there is um, uh, that is a through line, but mm-hmm. just every now and then. And some of the fans have pointed out how, like, wait, Data doesn't have emotions? because then, And then there'll be, like, a montage of all the times oh, where yeah. he clearly had emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love when he has, like, this... He, what he'll do is he'll adopt personality traits and character traits yeah. of an archetype, right? There's a great episode of him trying to learn stand-up comedy. Really? And he... Yeah. And, and it, it just... He uses a terrible. holodeck. He uses a holodeck. Oh, it's awful. He uses a holodeck program to watch stand-up comedians from like the 1940s <laughs> and then does Obviously. their humor. So he's like holding an unlit cigar, like waving his arms back and <laughs> forth like this. He's like, oh boy, take my wife, please. <laughs> like, uh, uh, but like, I'm probably doing it with more panache than he did. Like he's literally standing like, like his spine is a steel pole, <laughs> but his arms are moving back and forth, you know, and it's, uh, it's so great. So he'll do things like that where, so he's, he's a poker dealer. So yeah. he's doing poker dealer things, right? Uh-huh. That's why he's wearing the green visor yeah, yeah. and everything, you know, um, still no help for the Klingon. I, I, I used to say that when I was a teenager, still no help for the Klingon. Um, miscellaneous trivia and every, yes, no one understood it. Back then no, oh, yeah. no one got it. Um, Okay. We, we could not let this go by. Corbin, Corbin is, <laughs> is laughing and cringing already. Every single episode I can ever recall sitting down to watch with you guys of Star Trek The Next Generation, whenever we pull it up on, uh, was it Netflix we were watching it this time? Yeah. Whenever you pull it up, you know how in the top left corner, it'll tell you this show is rated. It's like content warning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be like TV 14 and it'll say uh, drug use, mild violence and mild language or something like that, right? Every (laughs) single episode of TNG always says TVPG and then under that fear and sex. What? And I'm like, what? 
What did it get that stuck? Mean? Did it? And it's like it got stuck. Someone watched one of the episodes and was like, "This is the whole show. This is the heartbeat of Star Trek: The Next Generation." Fear and sex. Um, oh, so speaking God. of of uh, J- uh, Data being the poker uh, guy, apparently the poker game was I okay. Whenever I think back to TNG, the poker game is it's a staple. It's one of the things you think of. You think of the holodeck, you think of the bridge, you think of the senior officers playing poker because it oh. is a staple in the show. Really? This, this is not a one-off in this episode. Oh. This is season five. That's why I was very confused why they were doing it. In, by the time you hit season five, this is a well-established thing. I was reading in the, in the fandom though that apparently the poker game was a cliche that was used to pad out episodes. Yeah. So like the writers used it as a, a, a filler. So if an episode was supposed to be 42 minutes and they were at like 38, they're like, I don't know, let's throw in a poker yeah, game. Throw in a poker, yeah. And they would throw in a poker game. That's and it's weird. kind of funny when you when you watch those, I, I now want to go back and watch every episode featuring a poker game because I'm thinking back to it and I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Where it's just this little aside, and maybe there's maybe there's a funny moment between Riker and Worf, and, or there's yeah. a there's a there's a you do gotcha get a between little Crusher something, and, like, yeah, there's always a little something there, but then it inevitably gets interrupted by boop, and somebody says, "Oh, you know, uh, Commander Worf, you're needed in in whatever," and then he gets up and leaves, and the scene follows him. Yeah, like that's all it is. It's like instead of watching him leave the bridge and go to the other place, there's a poker game in between. You know, yeah. like that's that's very often what it was. Um, and, and yet, and yet I just thought of this, the, the entire series ends at that poker table. Really? The, huh? the seven year run of this show ends at the most poker important table. poker Why? table. Because what happens, what happens is one of, one of the features of the, of the poker table is it's always the senior officers minus the captain Yeah. because the captain always keeps a professional distance, right? Mm-hmm. So there's one episode where Picard comes into the poker game and there's a very there's a very obvious reason that they're doing that. They're trying to tell you something's wrong. Mm-hmm. By they, I mean the writers. They're telling you that there's something wrong and, they're, and, and it's telling the characters that something's wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what episode it is and I don't want to tell, tell any more than that, but there's a reason that he shows up. The only other time he shows up is in the final scene mm-hmm. of the series the, the, the show kind of culminates with, with Picard having to wrestle with his own past and his decisions and has he done the right things and has he been the right man and, and these kinds of things. And, and one of the things that he decides along the way is that he never spent enough time getting to yeah. know his, his crew. And so this, the series ends with him walking in and, and like asking to join the game. And everybody's like, why are you here? Yeah, and he says, you know, I thought I'd join in. And they're like, absolutely, Captain, pull up a chair and blah, blah, blah. And he sits down. And I think the very last thing he says is, I should have done this a long time ago. And then the camera like pulls bum, back bum, from bum, them playing. Yes, bum, bum, yes. Bum, bum, the camera pulls back from them playing poker. Yeah. And I just thought of That's that. Awesome. It's, it went from being filler to being an excellent plot device in this episode. Yes. Because he said he decided to add it here for a purpose. It was not padded or padded and filler. Iconic. And then the thing. whole show ends on it. And I never thought wow. about it until just now. So anyways, um, random stuff we noticed 
Holy techno babble, Batman. Oh um, the reason that Jibberty Jabberty is a part of this show is because of techno babble on this show. Yeah. On, on Star Trek The Next Generation. Well, Star Trek in general. Um, I was trying to write down every instance of techno babble and just, it was too much. Too much. Just had to stop. <laughs> yeah. um, so we had um, flux spectrometers are down for inspections. Okay. To which somebody so says, much. that's okay. We can just use the Gravitron Polar. Po- Polarimeter, easy yeah, for you to say. Obviously. Use the Gravitron polarimeter, which it's like all of those words kind of make sense. Kind when of. you just jam them all together, it's like, okay. So yeah, what you're yeah. saying is spacey wasty science? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had two mentions of distortions in the Decion field. Yeah. Um, I don't remember Decion, but I I can tell you this. Anytime there's tachyons involved tachyon in Star particles. Trek, there's time travel. Oh, yeah. Anytime there's yeah. a tachyon field, tachyon pulse, ta- yeah, tachyon particles. I don't remember we're dealing why, with time travel, but that like came up in my English class the other day. <laughs> we someone was like tachyons in Star Trek or just tachyons in general. He said, he said like, I think there was 20 minutes left in class, and someone was like packing up, and he's like. There must be a distortion in the tachyon field or something because you shouldn't be packing your, your up Your teacher said that? Yeah. He's, okay, from everything you've told me cool about, teacher. is this your English teacher? Yeah, he's my English teacher. Everything you've told me about him, that checks out. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Uh, Corbin could not, could not take Riker's oh bizarre <laughs> stance over Data's He's like shaking too. He's like, whoa, whoa. I think oh I heard a, 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 a sort of rumor one time that the, the the shape of that console there changed What's, over the years. And I swear I remember hearing that somewhere in the background that was influenced by uh, by Jonathan Frake's sure. insistence on planting sure. his foot there. Because that is That's not the only time so he ever did dumb. that. Now, it's freaking hilarious. And he sets his arm like on his knee while he's like resting. Yes. It's like, it, it's the, like whole, he, it's the ship like he is just going down. A mountain. The ship is going down. And yeah. he's just like wiggling oh, my there. Favorite like, oh, and then he favorite falls. One of the versions, one of the times oh, yeah. he was sitting there. Falls. And the way the camera was angled, we'll talk more about camera angles later. The oh, way yeah. the camera was angled, it was kind of down looking up at Data so Riker was over his shoulder. <laughs> and and the camera starts doing the shake thing. And the camera was shaking. And Riker just fell backwards <laughs> in such a way that... You were seeing him from just above the waist up to his head over Data's shoulder. And all of a sudden, like an elevator, he just went and like yeah. just yeah. disappeared over Data's shoulder. It didn't even look like he fell backwards. It looked like he went straight he just down, went down, which this also so great. means that actor had to do that because there's no actual <laughs> shake. Right. Yeah. And he had to do that probably eight times to get the just take. And a everything. dozen times. Oh, my gosh. Now, I mentioned there when you guys were laughing about his stance, I said, wait till y'all see the Riker maneuver. And then I was like, oh, wait, are we going to get a Riker maneuver? I bet we're not. This episode did not feature a Riker maneuver. So there's two things. There's two There's two actor-based character things within within, start, uh, within TNG. First, you have the Riker, uh, sorry, the Picard maneuver, which there's an actual piloting thing in universe called the Picard maneuver. But I, And I think that may have been a joke about this thing because the fans call the Picard maneuver whenever you see Jean uh, uh, Patrick Stewart take the front of his shirt and cinch it down, right? So mm. it's like it's it's like the, the the shirts were a little stiff, so they would sometimes they would sort of ride up and like the collar would be coming up to your chin and the and the shoulders are off of your shoulder, so you he would take his thing and you know yank it down. Mm. 
and it became this. It was a. It was a. It was a. Uh, an, a tick of Patrick Stewart's. Like he was just doing it. He was just adjusting his costume, but it became so iconic of a thing that Data does it later on in the series. Oh my god! There's a, There's a, There's an episode where Data has to assume command of, of the Enterprise for a short period of time. he sits down and pulls down his... No, 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 it's better. It's so much better. He he becomes acting captain, and Worf becomes his first officer. And Worf is kind of chafing under that. He, he's, he's not settled into his role. Mm-hmm. So Data calls him into the ready room and kind of chews him out a little bit. And Worf apologizes. He's like, you know... I'm sorry, I will do better about this. You're absolutely right. It, it's one of the best moments in Star Trek. Yeah. And it's definitely one of Data's best moments, Worf's best moments. And um, he like he, he, he walks into the room with Worf behind him, stops right in front of the camera, and then does this military 180, chews him out. They, have, they, they figure it all out. And then he says, dismissed. And Worf walks out and with the camera right up on him, he grabs his shirt and pulls it down. And I'm like, oh my God, oh. it's so funny. It's like, it's funny, but it's also perfect. It's not, yeah. it's not funny. It's not funny in the moment. It's, it's, awesome. it's, it's, it's like, hmm, you know, like I am the captain, you know? Um, so <laughs> that's the Picard maneuver. The Riker maneuver, however, is the way that, and apparently this was a Jonathan Frakes character choice for Riker. This, like the Picard maneuver was just Patrick okay. Stewart adjusting his costume. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes, if I understand correctly, made this as a character choice he will sidle up on a chair like he's mounting a horse. He will approach a chair from behind, plant his left leg to the left of the chair, swing his right leg over the back of the chair and plant it into the chair. (laughs) Sometimes putting his hand on the back of the chair as he passes over, sometimes not. Sometimes his hand is on his knee. There's so many variations and they're all... Ridiculous because funny. he's an actual cowboy, huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. I like, never thought of that. Yeah, yeah but he's so literally in TOS, a cowboy. Like, what the heck? In TOS, the whole thing was, it was supposed to be, you know, uh, what was it? The, the, the wagon ride to the stars. It was supposed to be a Western set mm-hmm. in space. And so Kirk was definitely a cowboy. But in TNG, Picard was a diplomat. So they made Riker the cowboy. Uh-huh. Riker oh, yeah. was the guy going keep... on the away mission, yeah, sleeping America. with all the alien women, you know, all of these kinds of things. <laughs> and um, uh, he, yeah, he was literally the cowboy. Yeah. yeah. He, he saw it, I will, I will show you. I want to try getting I... into a chair like that and see uh, if yeah. it's even possible. Oh, no, it's absolutely possible. Well, I mean, first of all, he's he's not a short guy. So well, that no, helps. No. But it's 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 not hard. It's, it can't be a chair with armrests. Oh, yeah, it has no. to just be a back. Um, but the, the number of times there are montages, I will have to find one and link it up in the notes. I'll, I'll, so guys help me out here. If I don't remember, um, check the show notes. I'm going to try and link up to a YouTube montage of this. It is hilarious. And I love everything about it. Anyways. Um, oh, that brings us to shaky cam. <laughs> we were just talking about his, his bizarre stance, which in the same scene, we talked about uh, shaky cam. So shaky cam was a thing in the eighties and I'm sure they still do it now, but they, it was just the 80s and 90s, they did this all the time in, in space shows or even other stuff. I mean, it could be on the bridge of a, of a naval ship. You, you have to simulate that you're on a ship that is being rocked around, right? Uh-huh. And so you do that in two ways. You tell the entire crew to act like they're on something that's shaking around. And then you violently shake the like camera. Like nauseatingly. Yeah. Nauseatingly. It's terrible. Shake the it doesn't mean 
trying the to dumb simulate. Thing, the dumb thing is that they're all moving in different directions. They're it, not shaking in an obvious way. They're not like right. bumping I've, up and I've down. Seen, they're I've just like swinging back and forth. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've seen later stuff, like not TNG era, mm-hmm. but later on, I've seen behind the scenes videos of shooting Whoa. scenes like this where the director is going left, right, <laughs> sudden drop, you know, so that everybody's kind of in yeah. sync. They did not do that no. for these episodes. No. And um, what's so, so what's funny though is try to simulate with a camera that you are shaking. Try and simulate that and tell me if you don't end up with the I, same yeah. thing here. Yeah. Um, so at any rate, someone, and may, hopefully I'll remember to link up to this as well. Someone somewhere has stabilized clips of Star Trek. That's awesome. So take the so you just get that take the shaky like hand flinging around like yes. take the shaky hand stabilization technology that we now carry in our pockets, right? And retroactively, you know, pull some clips from Star Trek and put that technology on there, and then they clip it down so that all the all the black box is gone and everything. It's hilarious because you have an absolutely steady shot with people just flinging themselves around. And then you can see things like where when it's shaky cam and it's quick cuts and and you're in the action, it looks like Riker is, um, well, not Riker in this example. That's a bad example. You'll see somebody sitting in a chair, especially one of the command chairs, and it looks like they're holding on for dear life. But then when you stabilize it, you realize that they're holding on to the chair seat because they're using that to make themselves rock easier. Like that's literally what it is. So um, I'll, I'll have to see if I can find that too. Um, you guys were really bothered about the idea of ejecting the engine core. I said, imagine while driving down the highway, just launching the engine out of your car. Like, why is that a functionality of this ship? Why, yeah, why is that even a feature? Okay. If the their engine- ability to modify ships while in flight and oh, crap yeah. is oh, yeah. absurd. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Forget about, you know, reversing the polarity yeah. of the neutron flow. They can just be like, oh, we'll take this form of power and convert it to this. It's, it's like, like why can you no. do that? Yeah. I have solar power and gas power and I'm just flying down the interstate and like, yeah. oh, yep, this switch. So I, the only exception to that, Corbin, is I would say if your car was instead of a gasoline engine, if it was a small nuclear device, <laughs> you yeah. might want the ability to eject it away from I, you. Maybe. That's maybe um, true. Yeah. Which is essentially what you're dealing with. A warp core is yeah. worse than a nuclear bomb. The, my, one of my big problems with this episode is that um, it featured a warp core breach mm-hmm. that looked like, and because behind the scenes it was, simple pyrotechnics. It was, you know, there were sparks and like, yeah. You know, it, it was very obviously just like a model with like yeah. squibs going off mm-hmm. when it should have looked like, you know, the Death Star explosion. You know, mm-hmm. there should have been like shockwave and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It looked like it looked like the gunpowder got <laughs> ignited in the in the corner, in the, uh, in the dock or what in the dock in the in the uh, loading area. But um, uh, so the idea of ejecting the warp core is referenced a lot. It's not just in this episode. There, it, all and just make it up because like, oh. That, oh, this, this, yes, seems this like is a, not, yeah. I don't even think this is the first time that oh. they said something about ejecting the warp core. And again, because if it's going to go nuclear on you and you could get it out of you, get it out of the ship, then that then you might survive or something, right? So it's referenced over and over and over again. It actually happened. And the funny thing is, you were saying that's so ridiculous and imagine doing this and blah, blah, blah. 
it happens in the Voyager episode Cathexis, which is what I always envision whenever they say eject the warp core, because you go, what does that even yeah, look what? like? Okay, so you know how the warp core is just this like, it looks like this big yeah. cylinder? It's like a mm-hmm. big tube. Okay, imagine that at the bottom of that, so so obviously it goes up, way up, mm-hmm. you know, beyond what you can see, and it is standing on the floor, essentially, is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Imagine if there was a trap door right there. <laughs> so it doesn't, that's what it is. Wow. So it just launches like a glass thing? Like, like a massive tube comes yoink, flying it, out it, of the side of the ship? No, dr- poops out the bottom. <laughs> really? It poops it just goes out how? to the bottom. What? When they do, are it, there rockets it, attached to it? Are they literally presumably? Yeah. No, I mean the they space didn't just pulls yeah, space, it out. Space gravity, space gravity. You know, that, yeah, as you do, Bang. it falls. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's all it's pointed at the bottom, Corbin. So yeah, it falls so, so it through. falls. No, <laughs> but it it is hilarious because it is it looks like a like a two story tall glass tube. Oh my god! And they do they just and shoot it out the bottom, and I think that there's even a scene. Back in engineering after it's happened, and now the warp core is missing. Wow. It's just where that giant column was is just nothing. But it is so funny because, uh, you know, you look at it and it looks like it would take several people standing around it holding hands to wrap around that thing. Mm -hmm. But when you see it poop out the bottom of Voyager at scale with however big the Voyager is, it looks like a pencil fell out the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) It's hilarious. And it does. You know, they, they shoot it out the back and then it explodes and like knocks the ship around or whatever. So um, th- that's the only that's the only time that it ever actually yeah. um, happened on screen. So, oh, and then we got a space flute. Um, I love, I love, 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 and Mission Log bears this out. They talk about this all the time. I love spacey wacy versions of everyday I hate things. That. So dumb. It's so I love dumb. it. No, I love it. I love. You can't go to sleep under a blanket. You have to have a space blanket. You know how it's a space blanket because it's metallic. Yeah. It, it looks like tin foil. Yeah. It looks like <laughs> no, the actually, 80s idea of it, oh, futuristic it, technology. It, it, it absolutely it's, is. Yeah, that was one of the things that, that um, uh, you go from TOS that looks like a submarine and then you go to the Enterprise uh, the Enterprise D that looks like, they called it the Hilton in space. It has carpeting. The whole thing <laughs> really? is carpeted. Yeah, look at the bridge. The whole thing is carpeted. Oh the, 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 the giant horseshoe of wood. Wood paneling. <laughs> I mean, it was just definitely a child of the 80s. Um, it looked like somebody, like the same people that designed the 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 soccer mom station wagons of the time that had the wood yeah. panel striped. What do they call the that? Retrofuturism or whatever the heck? What? Um, retrofuturism? No, retrofuturism is if you sat down and drew ah. Star Trek from the perspective of the 80s. But oh. I wonder, I guess no, draw I guess the future still, from no, the perspective. You're of the right. Past. You're right. No, no, no. That yeah. is still retrofuturism. Is it, when we look back at the 50s at what they thought 2020 was going to be. That's yeah. That's yeah. retrofuturism, and I love it. I, I, it's always it's always, always wrong. hilariously wrong, it's hilarious. and then sometimes a little right. And it's freaking mm. right. So um, what? Um, oh, the space flute. So so we had um, Corbin was very bothered, and when I say flute, I mean champagne flute. The, the most oh, important glass oh, in the universe. Yeah. Corbin, what? What? You, you, you hated this thing with the passion of a thousand suns. Why? Be- what was it? It's so small. It, it's hilariously okay. tiny. It's a wine Dishes like glass. Glasses like that exist now. Really? That's not, that wasn't the spacey-wacy part. Why? It's like, like a wine glass. Because you're drinking your evening sherry. You're it's supposed to you just get a little. It's, but, what? <laughs> 
I'm serious. There, there I are, mean, like, there are I'm not a drinker, so I obviously don't understand yeah, this. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I just know this from like, but like Downton Abbey. And that looks you know, like, maybe smaller than a shot glass. Yeah. And it's, it's like, for the kind of it's, thing that you it's sip. half a sip. It's for the kind of thing that, that you I sip. Could, it's one sip, though. You yeah. see her take at least two sips. And maybe I take at least really big sips. Listen, I've seen, I don't remember if it was Star Trek. I take those big yellow cups. I drink like the whole thing at once. <laughs> That's not a <laughs> sip. Has anyone seen those cups? What's the place Dickies. we got them from? Dickie's yeah. Barbecue oh, yeah. Pit. Those things are awesome. The they're like yeah. 32 like ounces. ounces. Yes. <laughs> they're awesome. You fill I it up with water and you thing. chug the all of it. And it's, that's how I drink everything. The Corbin best has, water you've has ever the tasted. Water running down his chin. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you drink Somehow two of those it's on a your day. back. How's it on your back? You, you only have to drink two of those a day. And you're one of my good. favorite spacey wacy dishes, at least in TNG, is the space fork. In the uh-huh. episode entitled Deja Q, there's an episode, um, and this is not only in that episode. What my my favorite thing is when you have spacey wacy dishes that you see more than yeah. once. Um, DS9 do like consistent DS9 like had a particular style of coffee mug. So they had some sort of Klingon coffee called Ractagino, and they would always drink it out of this particular shape of mug. And you see them throughout the run of the show, different colors, yeah. different people ha- holding them. And I love that kind of crap. And one of them that you see a couple of times, but my favorite instance of it is in Deja Q, Q becomes, they, the, the Q continuum kicks him out and makes him mortal. And so he could come, they could make him into whatever he wanted to be and he chose to be a human. And so he shows up on the ship and it's the first time in the series that we see Q meet Guinan, who I don't know if y'all have met yet. It's Whoopi Goldberg's character. She seems to know him. And when she knows him, she literally pulls the claws out. She goes like this with her hands, like like tiger style. And like, why is he here? And then there's a moment where he's trying to convince her that he's now mortal she picks a fork up off of the bar and jams it into the back of his hand. Now, <laughs> let me tell you about this fork. This tell is us. not a fork. Tell us. This is like a murder weapon. Okay? <laughs> it is a four-tined fork, like a normal fork. But each tine is like a needle. I mean, they are so thin. It's, it's like, it well, looks what would like, you, need this like you could only use this to like eat raspberries like if you try to eat a for uh, a steak with this fork it would break they're so thin stab a piece of rice <laughs> yes it is the most impractical looking fork oh and it's completely straight the what? handle the handle is like this this like interwoven like thing but it's straight fork or something and then the tines are straight no 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 a pitchfork has a curve to the uh, tines yeah i'm no. talking about the handle and completely the tines straight. are straight so there's four parallel non-curved whatsoever straight yeah. like freaking needles okay. and he takes this thing and jams it into his hand <laughs> ah! and he goes ah and she goes human enough for me and walks out and it's one and of my it's favorite still things. stuck in his hand ah yeah. but that that fork makes an appearance multiple times you see people like you know stabbing some salad with it or something and i'm like careful careful if you put that in your mouth like be careful of your yeah. tongue because make sure that the tines aren't sticking through, through that grape tomato because it's going to impale you <laughs> um and then yeah 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 we are we already talked about the space flute being the most important glass in the universe but it wasn't or was it or was it i, I was it definitely waiting back for that three to be, seasons later that that was going to be the message that data it was back. it was set up for that one billion bajillion percent like that was somehow going to be important to the yeah, plot and it, it never definitely was. seemed yeah. like it like like data's subconscious message was 
like all the threes were going to connect with the space uh, champagne glass and it was going to make sense and something no. and it never did. Nope. It's just three little insignia. Yep. I did think that was cool that he even caught on to that. You know, yeah. it's extra funny is if that hadn't have worked, if Riker wasn't right and they needed a completely different plan, <gasps> they'd be back to square one. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They'd have to completely come up with a new... Not only that, not only that, but Data would have to see the pips, interpret the message, blow the d- decompress the airlock on the on the shuttle bay, realize that it was wrong, and send a different message back yeah. through. Oh yeah, that's what he would have. Had. I don't think he would have had time. Um, this was also uh, my my last uh, random stuff we noticed a rare appearance of Picard's crushed velvet captain's jacket. I don't know if y'all noticed. There's a scene wherein uh, Crusher. Calls him. He's sitting there reading his book, mm-hmm. and his that, shirt like, is gray. gray. Jacket. Thing. No, no, his shirt is gray. Uh, and I went, "Why is his shirt gray? <gasps> Are we gonna see the jacket?" And then, like for some reason, I think he'd been wearing the jacket the whole episode. I just oh. didn't clock it. So, for whatever reason, in season five, they decided to make this a thing. This this jacket that he's so he's wearing the gray shirt, and then mm-hmm. over that, he's got this really kind of awesome jacket where it's like crushed velvet. The shoulders are like leather and everything. Really? I don't know if y'all noticed that. I so wasn't paying attention. To he's the only wearing. one wearing it. Everyone else is in their standard uniform. Huh. No one else ever wears this thing. And it never makes any, any other appearances outside of TNG. Like it's just a thing that they tried out for him. And I love it. And it, I don't know if you remember the episode Darmok where they, where he's on the planet with the guy who speaks in, oh, yeah. in like parables or whatever. Um, he's wearing it in that too. And it's just like some episodes he's wearing it. I don't even think he I, like, I don't even think it ever became a thing where he's always wearing it. Like this is his new thing. It's just, they tried it out for a few episodes. It was so interesting. And uh cosplayed like, like crazy. All right. So let's get into the actual um, time travel details. So the method for time travel in this story was a temporal distortion. You can always count on Star Trek for a good old anomaly of the week. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. this is yeah. one of those. Um, with the exception that the the episode doesn't center on the anomaly. Normally, you encounter the anomaly, you have to figure out the anomaly so that you can escape or and or survive and or destroy the anomaly. In this one, we it's like Groundhog's Day. They break the time loop, and then everybody lived happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea. Yeah. Like it just goes from there. Like that's there it. was we, an anomaly. Yeah, we don't know what it was, how it worked. Nope. Um, the, the rules for this one. So normally we talk about, can you change the past and, 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 uh, how do things work? You know, if you go back and change things, is that the way it always was? Blah, blah, blah. And this time the rules are that they reset each time, but not really. You could still remember certain things. Well, yeah, there's like, there's lingering effects. Yeah. So you get the voices, Right where Crusher hears the voices. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was one of the things that they that's used That's kind of to... the weirdest part of the episode. Yeah. Actually. Well, see, that's the thing, is like there's there's these things, like the fact that they, they have deja vu. So like they don't... Mm-hmm. Deja vu, by the way, is the worst superpower, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it only you helps you the after the fact. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced deja vu. Mm-hmm. All the time. Okay. But I've have, you ever, have you ever tried to do the thing that I did when I was a kid? You experience deja vu, so you try and remember the rest of the thing and see right. if you are actually remembering 
like but this is the yeah. real world so you aren't right. so no. it doesn't yeah. help you right. at all right so like in this well, episode the last time that it's like okay if they're experiencing deja vu it's because they literally did experience it before so what if they tried to like what if deanna troy by the way why was troy not more involved in this episode deanna yeah. troy ship's counselor there's been other who can read minds stuff like this before like we like did what? another time loop episode where she was the only one who knew about it we did, did yes we? We covered it on here, I think. I don't think so. On the, it, I don't think so. I think this is the only TNG episode we've ever covered on the podcast. We covered it maybe that episode. didn't happen. Maybe we didn't cover it on here, but we definitely watched. There was it. an epi- there was an episode where a second uh, Captain Picard shows up on an on a on a uh, uh, he's on a on a shuttle, and they pull the shuttle into the into the bay, and it turns out Picard is inside. And what's happening there is there is a time loop, but it's not a, it's just him. So we don't actually go through the time loop. He gets thrown back in time and he tries to prove, and it's because it's because the enterprise gets destroyed. He gets thrown back in time in a shuttle and is trying to fix it. But the being thrown out of time, he's unconscious. He's disoriented. He can't speak. And Deanna can read his thoughts. That's what you're thinking of. Maybe. She she can say he's very confused, but I can tell you this is Jean-Luc Picard. He's not a duplicate. Like he, like he's not a like he's not a, a, a uh, an alien posing it. Like it's actually him. I don't him. think that was it though. It, it started in like some never mind. I don't know. But I just remembered like it started in some kind of party and she was like trying to convince It's like him. the reverse of deja vu. He's remembering something that never happened. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I'm surprised that they didn't have Deanna way more involved, read someone's thoughts and get future knowledge. Yeah. Right. Cause that like, should have, that should have theoretically this been possible. person remembers being here before. Like what? That shouldn't be possible. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Or yeah. read, read Riker's memories of suggesting the shuttle bay thing, you know, or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, they didn't do that. So there are these weird lingering effects. Um, Trip, are you thinking of the one? Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> There's another one that that feels like a time loop, but it's not. Anyways, um, so the the reset is imperfect because memories linger. There's some sort of oh, I think it was a because of the distortion in the Decaion field is why you get the echoes. That's yeah. why you get the voices. The anomaly was causing people to remember in some way which is oh is that what it was i think it was because like the effects of it were lingering Mm -hmm. through each loop right right Mm. um so it's not a perfect reset but that's i mean that's the only way to escape it yeah um now (laughs) in the original airing of this episode 1992 groundhog day is still a year away Mm -hmm. each loop ended with the Enterprise exploding and then cutting the commercial, right? Mm-hmm. So you you start the episode with what uh, Brandon Braga um, called the greatest cold opening teaser in all of Star Trek. The episode opens with red alert, everything's gone wrong, and then the Enterprise explodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I think I mentioned to you guys, that was the teaser commercial for the episode. Like, wow. Join us next week as this happens. What? <laughs> They all die. That's not interesting. 
And yeah, and then you well, tune in, the and it ends. happens in the first 30 seconds. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Then, now again, we were watching this on Netflix without commercials. Mm-hmm. So imagine you watch that, you watch five minutes of commercials, then you come back, and it's the Captain's Log. And it's like, you're like, they messed up. Wait a they minute. played the end at the so beginning. So then you get to the end of that act, and you see the thing you just saw at the beginning, uh-huh. and they explode. And then five minutes of commercial... And then you come back and it's Captain's Log. Local affiliates were inundated with phone calls from people saying, you guys have the tape on loop. People literally weren't getting it. Yeah. People literally thought that there was a, there was a technical error at the television station, but it was slightly different every time. Like it was. Yeah. But I think the first two were very similar. And that's the thing. Except for the doctor was like, did we do this? Except for a few really weird shots. Yeah. They're mostly very similar. Now, this also confused Jonathan Frakes. Oh, nice. When he was reading the script, preparing to direct this episode, he said he literally called the writers like, are you guys messing with me? Like, what is this? You know? (laughs) So he didn't even have the benefit of different camera angles and all that kind of stuff. He's reading it going, wait, reading the same thing over and over again. Just like, what the heck is happening right now? Exactly. Because, you know, whereas you would want it to say, and act one repeats. (laughs) You have to write every scene out because Mm -hmm. there are subtle differences, you know. So even Jonathan Frakes, the director of the episode, was initially confused. Because again, Groundhog Day is a year away. I feel like had they not, because there's the whole scene in the middle, though, the first time through where they're having deja vu. You yeah. Mean the second time through? No, no the, the first, first time. time through. She, she mentions, have you Jordy had these symptoms before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did that whole thing on the first on go the first round. Time. Oh, yeah. They just didn't but then do people it in the are, I don't get what's happening. I'm like, I don't feel sympathy for those people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if Joke. I walked into this not knowing it was a time loop episode, it would get, it would take me a second to realize. Like See, that's the other thing. Is take you a second. a little bit of chronological snobbery here. Because like when it starts a, back up star a, date or you, what, you have like, seen so many time loop stories oh yeah. and b you went into this being told it's groundhog's day but it's star trek after and, having and watched also we're not watching it live three other groundhog's day episodes yeah. yes and you weren't interrupted by commercials i mean like that's you we know we're watching it that live does with factor commercials into it. and stuff yeah it does factor into it i could see like, getting confused the second time yeah. but by the third time they make it right. fairly obvious sure sure sure, sure. it's like there was there was a like a really long time ago there was a live broadcast done that was pretending that aliens were taking over the world and reporting on it live what was it called yeah and people people thought thought it was was actually happening and they were losing their minds yeah yeah exactly that's that's what i'm saying anyways um i I don't remember who said this first one of one of the three of us i think it was one of y'all said why didn't they just shout the suggestion instead of doing the weird post-hypnotic suggestion thing on Data? Yeah. Why didn't Data just say, yeah. hey, Data, this is Data. <laughs> do the Riker thing. Not and then, the you thing. Because that's then, too easy and not as cool as stacking the deck. I mean, I guess they, they had Picard saying abandon ship. So Data knew that that part of things was going to get echoed. So why didn't he yeah. just... As Picard started saying that, just like shut Picard up and say, Data, do Riker's thing. He doesn't even have to shut 
Picard up because he can apparently pick out each individual of their like yeah, exactly. thousands of voices. We're yeah, picking up thousands, thousands of, voices. of voices. We have these four which, clips. Which, by the way, you guys were like, thousand. Is there a thousand people? And I went, um, actually, the crew complement of the Enterprise D was a thousand. So wow. it was a, yeah, it was like a flying city. Yeah, geez. Well, city. Yeah. New York's got Small city, yeah. but yeah. flying a neighborhood. Town. A town. Yeah, certainly. Um, they, okay. So we did mention that they, they shot each scene a little differently each time, quote, to keep it fresh, mm-hmm. right? Because it would mm-hmm. get boring if, it, if they literally just copied and pasted. So this led to some creative efforts, let's call it, such as the home video camera in Dr. Crusher's quarters. Uh-huh. There was a scene on, <laughs> on one of the loops yeah. where it looked like instead of shooting it with a camera on a rig, they literally got like an old shoulder mounted home movie camera yeah. and filmed her because it was like shaky and the guy was like walking and you could see his steps in the footage and stuff. I'm just thinking the first time they did this, the one that made me laugh where they have the really awkwardly angled like Close video up. of Riker's yeah. head. Yeah. Riker did that shot. Where he filmed oh, himself. Oh my god! Like you really know what this shot close. needs a real tight close up of Commander. That's Riker. like slightly. Yeah. Sli- what did slightly I just askew? slightly askew and just yes. like really weird in so many ways? Yeah. You know what? I kind of loved be that able shot. To put a close up so close you can see my nose I hair. I never thought like a shot would make me feel uneasy like that. Like, how is he doing this? There was also a really weird um, ground level view of Jordy being examined by Crusher in the sickbay. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Where it was like ant cam. I mean, it was like (laughs) they put the camera on the ground and and shot almost at a 45 degree angle. Like you could see (laughs) you could see as much of the ceiling in the shot as you could any Mm -hmm. of the walls. And then they did. During the conference meeting, the again slightly askew, really far zoomed out shot that was like they mounted it, it on it the wall of the flew set. flew in over the table. Yeah, it was. Oh so, yeah, like which nowadays would have been accomplished via a drone. It which got back then was like a crane weird. cam or something. Yeah. So um, it was definitely interesting. Now they were stuck. They did the calculations afterwards. They were stuck for seventeen days. And each loop, Trip said each loop felt like a full day. I felt like it was more like. An evening. I think it was a full day, but we only okay. saw so what, the we, couple of hours that actually had, like, that actually mattered. No, because we have the poker game, mm-hmm. which is followed by them going to the quarters, where she clearly goes to sleep and stays there the entire night. Yes. They say it is she the knocked, next morning oh, yeah, before yeah. they start discussing anything. She said, right. I heard voices last okay. night. Okay. Right about Except for a few times during the loop where they wake them up in the middle of the night because the voices are that important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like once it's like the fourth loop. So I think yeah. it makes me think they're we'll, getting to we'll the get, black hole early or whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of that here in just a second in the next section. Now, <clears throat> the Bozeman was stuck for 90 years now what so first of all <laughs> first of all what if their loop was like years what like each of their loop took yeah place over a couple of years yeah i mean i have no reason to believe this but i was just thinking like what yeah. they were stuck for 17 days and let's let's say let's say it was a day so that means yeah. they went through the loop 17 times that's how long it took and them they to come up with it figured it out 
So my a couple we, times through, they figured it out. Yeah, yeah began so, figuring it out. And so they run their ninety years. Uh huh. Divided, if we assume that each loop is the crash, ninety divided seventeen is five years. Wait, what about the the crash being seventeen? The crash is what causes the loop to yeah. restart. In theory. So if there were seventeen loops and they were there for ninety years in total. That's like five years for every single loop that they went But they through. never figured out that they were in a loop. <clears throat> okay. So the loop could have been even okay. longer. My next bullet point here is, or were they? Yeah. St- yeah. Stuck in the loop for, 30, for 90 years. This is where we got to eventually. Yeah, because it is not in any way clear. We, we have no reason to believe that they were stuck in a time loop. The Bozeman. Yeah. Because they had no idea what had just happened. Right. They emerge from the from the time distortion, the Decalion field, collide with the Enterprise, boom, they're gone. Yeah. And actually, we don't even know what happens at the Bozeman. The Enterprise explodes. Oh, yeah. They, like, bounce off. We don't have any idea what happens. The, the wing yeah. or whatever. But the Enterprise, blow up. the Enterprise resets. Now, there's, in my opinion, there's two possible ways that this could go down. One is they've been stuck in a time loop for 90 years. And then we Which I doubt. we can discuss that. Because because again, does that mean that their loops were longer? Because yeah. because if it was a day, 90 years times 365 days, they didn't figure it out. They they couldn't break yeah. away and it took the crew they of the Enterprise 70 literally days. no clue at all. We can go a lot of directions with this. Cuz they they came out like like they had no like idea. They had no idea. They had but no idea. That's true. They said, "Can we render assistance?" They yeah. didn't say, "Thank goodness you've arrived. We're stuck yeah. in a time loop." The thing yeah. is, they can't have gone through more loops than the Enterprise, right? Because, because the Enterprise was what caused okay. each loop so, to yeah. occur. Here's what I always assumed, because uh, I've watched this episode many, many times over the years. What I always assumed is that they were stuck in a time loop for some reason. And then when the Enterprise showed up, it changed the loop. They got stuck in a loop because I always assumed the that they blew up and were stuck in a in a time loop. But then when the Enterprise showed up, things just altered. So now they're stuck in a different time loop. That's what yeah. I always assumed, right? The more I think about that, the, the less it, it makes make any sense. sense. Um, they were I mean, just blowing you, up for no reason. But no, no, then no, the it Enterprise was, came something in. else happened to it. There, there was a warp core breach yeah. and it blew up and it, and because they were in that same Decaion field, it sent them back. Who knows? I, I I don't know. But watching it this time, I don't know why it suddenly dawned on me. We see them emerge from the Decaion this field thing. or whatever, the, yeah. the time distortion, the, the anomaly of the week, right? But we see it emerge from there. There are other episodes where we see something like that happen. And what's what's happening in those particular instances is someone fell through a wormhole or something. Yeah, and we don't and see the Enterprise come out of any cloud when they exit the time Exactly. Stream. Exactly. Yeah, they they exit they're not, the time loop. They're not by near avoiding getting the hit. time uh, distortion field. Yeah. They come at, through it, out of it. So what could be happening from the perspective of the Bozeman is they came across an anomaly somehow flew into it whether they were pulled in it yeah. seems like they didn't have control of the bozeman right so maybe they just because fl- they didn't do anything to they try didn't do and anything avoid to the, evasive maneuvers either 
and yeah. So they they are getting pulled into the into the Decaon field and get pulled through a wormhole or a time distortion field or whatever, instantaneously end up 90 years in the future and and immediately collide with the Enterprise. From their point of view, that's what happens. And well, no, from their point of view, they almost collide with the Enterprise. The Enterprise scoots itself out of the way and then they start talking to each other and find out that they just immediately, five minutes ago, traveled 90, 90 years into the future. Which to yeah. me seems to make more sense than they were also they caught in a warp core breach yeah. time loop scenario, but couldn't break so their the, way out of the it. The time distortion years. affected the ships differently. They traveled through and went. Well, because the years Enterprise didn't the go into the time distortion. It was just near it. Okay, they were near it and exploded. And, and it said their explosion ex- caused exactly. a weird distortion. That's what that caused the reset. Back. Yeah, that 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 warp core energy, wibbly wobbly, spacey wacy, created yeah. the loop. Yes, Corbin. Well, I was thinking, like, if they were on the other side of whatever this anomaly was, uh-huh. the Dachyon field may not have been reaching them. Like, if they jump back, like, a year, so they're nowhere near the anomaly, they wouldn't be feeling any of the echo effects, because it's, like, proximity-based. Oh, I get what you're saying because when, so when, you're when saying, the Enterprise... But the echoes would start affecting because, them as soon as they get close enough to it, which well, no, 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 they've what, not what, even approached What it What yet. Corbin is saying is... No, okay, no, no. My, my, thought, my thought was they entered the Decaon field and were stuck there for five years and then exploded. And, and that's what I'm saying is the, so, their, their trips, their, if they had longer loops... Their loops were marooned in the Decaon. Maybe they're just not resetting oh. at all, though. Maybe they're out of... Out of phase or whatever? No, they're out of the way of the blast whenever it occurs. So the explosion that pulls the Enterprise back in time doesn't, doesn't reach far down. enough to get them. So every other time, oh, yeah. they just kept going, and the Enterprise exploded behind them, and nothing happened to them. They just kept going on through the normal time stream. Not following you. No, wait. That, that means about, there would be a bunch of ships. We're talking about so many different versions of how this could have gone okay. down. I'm that not would sure mean that there okay. would be a bunch so, of ships at the very end. So let's talk about let's talk about things that they got wrong um, because they did. <laughs> they got some things oh, yeah. wrong with their timers. So sometimes, Corbin hinted at this earlier, sometimes there was some compression. So um, you guys pointed out that in the second loop, the second full loop that we saw, technically the third, we saw... We saw that very end of a loop at the beginning. The second time in the poker game, um, they got interrupted by Nurse Ogawa earlier than they did in the first loop. Now, this makes yeah. sense at a production level, but in universe, they played through a game of poker, played through a hand of poker, and he's bluffing, no, he's not, blah, 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 and then doop, Nurse Ogawa calls for Dr. Crusher. The second time through, they're experiencing deja vu and they're they're calling the cards. And he kind of like stares at her like, I'm not bluffing. And then they don't yes, finish they the don't hand. They don't go through the whole hand. And they and don't then bet at the end. dramatically appropriate moment, Nurse Ogawa mm. interrupts. So yeah. it's like she called earlier. And by the way, called for the same reason. Called because of... Yeah, and we see in a later Forge. loop that she calls up immediately and right then he walks in. So like... Yeah. Any earlier, he wouldn't have even been there. Right. 
Right. So, um, okay. And yeah, we, we already talked about why was the Bozeman stuck? Why didn't it, was the Bozeman stuck? Um, I'll do you one better. <laughs> um, Okay, we also had a question about when did the loop restart? Because it would seem that it restarts with the poker game. So it would seem. Because that's when we start getting... That's what getting... we see happen. Yes. But Nurse Ogawa calls... Beca- Wait, no, yeah. Nurse Ogawa calls because Commander of the Forge just showed up. He had a dizzy spell. The dizzy spell was related to the loop. Yeah. yeah. It was caused by like yeah, vor- which leads me now. Like now I'm wondering something. He got that no, he got the dizzy spell. Now I'm wondering if the dizzy spell he got was the start of the loop. Yeah, maybe. Like the the resetting of the loop is what causes his dizziness. Mm-hmm. But on screen, that there's some time that had to have passed. Right, he had to get dizzy in engineering, nearly fall, take a minute, recuperate, walk to engineering because on a ship where you can instantaneously be beamed from one spot to another. They continue to walk. Everybody walks yeah. everywhere. Um, yeah. Even in emergencies, which takes Except for in disco. It ju- it, no, it just happened on disco the other night. Really? I was watching an episode. And they're and like running There's a down character the in the lounge and she's like, I have to get information to the bridge and runs. Oh my God. And I'm like, teleportation Utilize has gotten the technology a, you have. faster in discovery and B, more portable because they now oh, yeah. have teleportation like in their com badges. They can just tap their com badge. They don't even have to call for anyone to teleport nope. them like Swear. we had to do in TNG. And they, they still ran. make up some excuse. Or we there's shields around the bridge even, to nope. protect it wow. from enemies yeah. jumping in whenever later, they want. Like, later in the no, same they situation, they jump into the bridge all the time. Later in the same situation, the same character beams into the bridge. What? Oh my gosh! The same character, so not in a crisis, bad. just shows up for moral support. <laughs> you know, shows up. Anyways, um, so Jordy had to run, not run, walk to uh, sick bay. Uh, Nurse Ogawa had to do some sort of preliminary look over him, right, and yeah, then decide to call uh, uh, Doctor Crusher. So I, I, it's just We're weird at that maybe we, twenty to thirty minutes, yeah, before yeah. we actually the see any standpoint, of the effects. It makes sense why we restart. Yeah, at the but they were probably right playing the poker game for more than one hand. Yeah, but it would be a little bit boring if we had to watch thirty minutes of a poker game uh, every loop. So, yeah. also be most of the episode. It would also be most of the episode. Uh, so. Anyways, um, and then uh, oh yeah, it was an unexplored region of space, except for except the for the Bozeman. Bozeman. Oh yeah, they they said uncharted. They said previously unexplored. Oh. and uncharted. But they said previously they uncharted. Just, I guess it's unexplored if the other ship disappears. disappeared inside yeah. of it. Don't know why you weird. didn't mention that at all. Yeah. Except for that one time when a ship went missing in the area. Yeah. Or maybe we should just go back there odd years ago. Like really not that long yeah. ago. Um Yeah. And and if we if if we've learned anything about the record keeping ability of Star of, of Starfleet where we now have a show that is 900 years in the future and they still remember everything that happened in TNG. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know that they keep good records. So. No, well, yeah. Before we get into our uh, support section for this week, I have a new, uh, a new addition to the note section. Retractions. 
Uh, last week in my off the cuff rundown, uh, explaining the green power ranger saga to Jared and, and the noobs here, mm-hmm. um, who is still, um, wearing, by the way, Jared is still wearing the nineties kid cone of cone of shame for not knowing about uh, oh, the green yeah. ranger saga. So, um, shun, shun, <laughs> shun and shame, Jared, shame on you. That's why he's not here this week. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but- <laughs> we banned him from the show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, uh, got a little ahead of myself during my off the cuff explanation and couldn't think fast enough and ended up referring to Rita Repulsa as Ursula. Now, oh. fellow 90s children will know that that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, a somewhat uh, easy to make mistake. Rita Repulsa, Ursula. There's a, there's, 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 a there's some, bit, there's right. some phoneme yeah. overlap Ursula there. From and the Ursula Mermaid. is, the, is a villain in another 90s franchise, and The a Little very, Mermaid. Very different yes, very, very different. Yes, very different. But, but phonetically, phoneme-wise, there's some overlap. And I was, again, I was, I was rattling it off. I was, trying to, I was trying to say it fast so no one would interrupt me and I could just, I could just finish my rant. So uh, Master Closet Studios would like to apologize for this mistake and promises that more mistakes of this kind will continue to happen all the on, time on its various and programs. will most of the time not be brought up again <laughs> so in light of that uh excellence in journalism noobs in the hoovian is brought to you by listeners like victor jared and james did, did you know that we're listener supported yeah. we've not made one dime from the ads on our <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry we may have made one dime in five years we may have made yes, one dime one dime but uh at any rate we are listener supported and uh, if you find value in what we do, like Victor, Jared, and James do, here's what you should do. Go over to noobsinthehoovian.com slash support. Become a supporting patron of family-friendly independent media today. Corbin, is that how that works? Oh, I was just going to bring up things happening too early, really. Which Things um, what? Oh, the... the yeah. yeah. Now the that I think about it, this about? is this must be hard to get right because we've, we've mentioned this for every one of these time loop episodes we've done yeah we've done like five at this point in the past few weeks and we've mentioned dramatically just do the spongebob thing was like five minutes later yeah (laughs) dramatically speaking it's hard to show the same thing happening over yeah and and keep the audience at all engaged Mm -hmm. because if you know if they're figuring crap out fast that's like the one thing they did wrong in groundhog day yeah was that he always was rare he always came to the square at the same time yeah, yeah, yeah. The same part of the song. Yeah. Yeah. Same people dancing. But and even that was rare. Most of that was accurate. Though. Oh, yeah. Like, I do get why you have to do it because your character is going to be moving at different speeds, but you want to be hitting the same beats. Yeah. So yes. it feels like a time loop. Yeah. So then you just got to fudge things a little bit. A little bit. But. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll forgive them. Is that what you're saying? I guess. You're, For now. Brandon Braga, uh, Jonathan Brakes. On behalf of Master Closet Studios, noobs in the hoovian. I do understand. You're off. off. Like if someone had it, we will not pursue legal (laughs) actions. Literally for 30 years, their hearts have been heavy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You can now rest easy. You can go to bed tonight, head held high, having been released from your burden. (laughs) By us. By us. By a not Star Trek podcast. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we don't feel like superior at all right now. Definitely Uh, not. No. Yeah. Excuse me. Let me go tie up my high horse. Um, uh, so was it good? Was it a good story trip? Mm. Ooh, I not a lot of confidence. Like, ooh, 
That as was... far as Star Trek goes, yes, because there are a lot what of... What the heck? Hang oh. on. <laughs> what? My wounded no, heart. Like... No. What does that mean? As far as, I mean, like, if you're comparing it to garbage, yeah. 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 <laughs> Look, Star Trek is not the best show. I'm just going to say that I couldn't get through most of Star Trek. There are a lot of good episodes that are fun to go back to. And this you is may one have noticed of those episodes. From the way Dad was talking earlier, we are no longer watching Discovery. Only Dad Oh, is. yes. Only That's Dad That's mostly is. because of y'all's schedules, though. No, that's mostly You're because not I don't. I don't, like I don't think Trip would watch it. Anyways. Her being the main character. There are much. so many reasons. Yeah, I told Trip exactly. the other day. I'm Dad is begrudgingly watching. I'm literally right now. only watching it because, because I Picard. know if I don't, I will miss stuff in Picard. Yes. and likely Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Strange New Worlds is somehow going to find yeah. a way to continue to reach out and contact and and reference a show that is now. 900 years in its yeah. own future it yeah. somehow is going i'm going to be completely fine with yeah. missing some of those references because I, it's uh, not worth watching the show they 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 introduced an incredible bridge crew i mean just they're not doing diverse anything, they look awesome. Oh yeah, I was, just some of them. I agree the, with that. And by that, all I mean, the costumes are awesome. Yeah, Everything I want to know what's going the on. Uniforms with, are cool. How with, many like, episodes have you watched without us? New season? Uh, eight. Eight without us. That explains. Yeah, I've a few watched things. the. I've watched eight episodes of the current season. I think we saw a few, but I was watching and I'm like, there are at least like four new characters on we screen. We saw the first yes. one. Yes. But that's it's the still yeah, that's the thing. The Burnham show. That's T- all it is. It is still is. Yes. So much so. So much so that the main problem that they were trying to solve in the last season was called the burn. The burn. The burn. Um. <laughs> right? I think they should burn kill them. I'm almost surprised. I think the I'm surprised she didn't cause finale it. should be just her getting her head completely chopped off. Oh. Wow. No, yes. I'm not going that far. Imagine no, she just I, dies. Like get blown fine. out an airlock. The character's fine. It's shot I like in the what head. they started off with. But the fact yes. that they just they made it about continued her. to consolidate. Anyways, that Star this Trek, is not the Star Trek discovery. Has Star Trek ever been before. like a solo character no. show? It's always ensemble it cast. Solo character. It has always been a strong thing. captain yeah. surrounded by a ridiculously competent crew. Yeah. And, 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 I cannot stress this enough, especially with TNG, but but other series as well, you had character episodes, you had mm-hmm. Data episodes, mm-hmm. Worf episodes, yeah. you had Odo episodes, you had oh, Jadzia Dax episodes. Nothing. Yeah. So much so that I don't know the stuff. names now of the like, bridge crew. What, what if there the are, strong captain and the competent crew were the same person and it's all Burnham yes, and she's the yes. only one that matters? I know, the, I know the, the, the two characters up front Detmer and Owo, I know I their nope, names. Never heard their names. Because I've gotten a like, little bit of little. information about them, and there was an emphasis on they literally asked, uh, I don't know, Commander, I don't know her rank, Owoshakun, how to pronounce her name. They literally said it on the show. That's the main reason I know her name, because they made a deal out of her name. <laughs> and I know, now I can't even think of her name, the robot lady who died. Yeah. We, right nope. when we got to know her, she died, she died, and anyways. I literally couldn't have cared back, less. Anyway, back to another Star Trek show on yes. our Noobs in the Whovian uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So, 
amidst the pile of garbage that is Star Trek trip. Yes. How does the <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Indeed. I think this Corbin, is I'll one leave of it up the to you good as the editor to decide whether or not to cut out the last five minutes. I think but, yeah, I think this is a good story. I I liked going back and watching. Are you this. saying this is a good story like like the way you say this is okay for classic who? No, I'm saying okay, this is okay, one of the okay. better I'm saying I enjoy I did enjoy watching okay, this. Like okay. like this is one of the episodes that I would go back and watch from uh Star Trek, but there are many that I would not. <laughs> sure. Oh, there's plenty that I, I I wouldn't go back either. Um yeah. So, uh Corbin, was it a good story? Uh, you know, I feel like we've watched too many time loop episodes. <laughs> is um, it wearing on you? <laughs> Especially given All as, you notice now is the stuff that doesn't so make sense. So you don't want to do magic to make the sanest man go uh, next? Actually. Actually. That one, that one was, was good. Okay. Amazing. Right. That, okay. Thinking of all the time loop that stuff we watched, so that may be like the second best behind Groundhog's oh, yeah. Day. Really Especially because it's, you know, Dwight playing Harry Mudd. <laughs> it's just yeah. amazing. Dwight. I appreciate you with the Jim Halpert pronunciation there. But Dwight. Dwight. I don't know. Was I know this a good story? I know it did it first, so it's hard to improve upon the things we've seen yeah. already. But because it wasn't, we'll, it wasn't we'll a into, master. We'll get into thing, was it a good yeah. time travel story in a second? Was it a good? Was it a good story? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah, meh. Um, yes, I, I think it was uh, a good story. Yeah. It was this, the only this, reason we covered it. This is a standout <laughs> like, episode. Yeah, this is a standout episode. Uh, this is one of the yeah. gems of TNG. I mean, movie. like Trip says, so, compared to some other Star Trek, you know. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so good. was it a good time travel story, Corbin? We can uh, we can get into, um, and I mean that from a in-universe production level, all that kind of stuff. So was it, what were you getting ready to I, say? You know, so I was going to say it, it's kind of hard for it to do things we haven't seen before since it is like the first one. But I take that back because it really did do something. I think Groundhog's Day did it where someone remembers and now that's the way to do it. But this one, it, no it one fully no remembers. One Everyone yeah. remembers Everyone a, little bit. a little bit. And there's a lot of stuff they did with that that I actually really liked. So yeah. I think... I think it really did manage to improve upon everything we've seen already with time loop stuff. And I think it is good. So you're saying it put a new spin on it and yet it's it's the it was first. the first one. But yeah, cause you're right in, in the other three you had, well, in two of them, Groundhog Day and, and whatever the Christmas garbage was, you had one person <laughs> one who person. remembered and everybody else thought they were crazy. And then in the Doctor Who one, everybody remembered. Okay. And in this one, nobody yeah. remembered. That's something else I really appreciated because Everyone remembered a little bit. No one seemed in the crazy. Right. Especially, yeah. I'm so glad because it's Star Trek and they're supposed to be encountering weird things all the time. The, the fact that there was no one like, like, oh, that's so ridiculous. Yeah, You're okay. a weirdo. And that is a trope. If Yaz had been the only one to remember it and everybody was like, oh, you're just silly little... If yeah, Yaz yeah. had been the only one to remember and the doctor completely Dismissed doubted her, her the whole time, order, yeah. that would be... How Star Trek normally does this. Bullshit. Yes. <laughs> Someone gets possessed by an alien force and you starts acting. You encounter this every day. out of character. Like, what? Yes. Someone acts completely Throw out of in character. the brig. Don't trust what and she says. One, yeah. She's just lying. One character goes, hey, has has Ensign so-and-so been acting unusual? And everyone's like, That's I'm sure it's just because she's tired. It's fine. It's crazy. 
Yeah. She's probably let's hungry. Not, let's not go doubting our fellow. Mr. Morning Coffee. Like. It's 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 ridiculous. And it's something that um, Lower Decks poked fun at yeah. a couple of times. And um, but in a roundabout way where they would they would run down like, I don't know, alien influence, time loop. Is it Q? You know, like all that's kind of they would like run yeah. down, like, let's go through the checklist because, again, Star Trek keeps perfect records. So we should remember all this stuff. So so Corbin, you're saying, yes, it brought not only was it good, but it brought something different to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay, so I think that saying as it was one of the earlier ones, they didn't have as much like knowledge of how to pull it off well. And I like what? Okay. Like, Wait, where is this going? It's not I, like making a car. It's not. <laughs> it's but, not like time travel story knowledge has, has improved over the. But years. like time loops are improving by like, are they? <laughs> I feel like Christmas do over proved they're definitely I will remind not. you that, that the Doctor Who episode is the most recent version of it. Yeah. And still got things wrong. Mm-hmm. The same mm, things that this episode got. Wrong. Maybe. But I just feel like there were so many inconsistencies and so many like rushing through plot lines and like story stuff that didn't line up right. I did like the deja vu part, but I just feel like this doesn't work as like a time loop story very well like gotcha. but i mean it's I, like it's i think this is why i like it it's a mystery within a time loop i do like that and yeah. i do like because so where groundhog cool. day Once again, it was a good it. twist but they just didn't pull it off as well as they could have it was a great yeah. like idea but it didn't work very well this episode yeah i feel like oh. there was too many inconsistencies and I, stuff I would have said five minutes ago, yes, this was a great time travel story. And then Corbin, you made me realize I like it even more because it does do it different. Because a lot of time loop stories do involve someone being the only one. Yeah. And this one did the exact opposite. That was cool. Everyone was on the same playing field. Everyone remembered just a little bit. Until they kind of all started to remember yeah, vaguely. One, one person had to point it out. I'm not yeah. realizing... Doctor Who's take on this was more just like respawning than anything because yeah, honestly, everyone had like perfect memory a minute yes, later what was <laughs> happening. So it's essentially just video game. Try it again. And yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right. Um, so that brings us down to Wibbly Wobbly Memories. We're continuing with our best of series with the best of 11. And we announced last week we'll be covering series five, episode 10, Vincent and the Doctor. So time for Wibbly Wobbly Memories. By the way, this is not the time to give a full recap of the episode. I feel well, like we, yeah. we kind of did that with the last one. But I'm just, just looking like for high points, high points so that we can look back and go, was that at all? I remember the ending scene where they like bring Vincent to the art gallery and have uh-huh. the guy like talking about how great yep. he was. Yep. I remember that Amy got her name written like on one of his paintings or whatever. Yeah. Um, for Amy. On the sunflowers. Yeah, and I remember them like trying to convince him not to kill himself at one point. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and then I remember that weird demon thing that they saw in the window at the beginning of the episode that say, made them go back. Yeah, to like so that's what it was. Figure that out. You're trying that's, to remember why? That's like the only thing I remember. I was yeah. like, oh, there's yeah. something um, in the painting. I am vaguely remembering the monster thing. Yeah, Is I don't this remember the, the one monster where you can at all. only see it in a mirror. 
And so the doctor had to rig up that weird mirror thing. Oh, was that? Maybe. Or is that a different... I don't remember the monster at all. I, remember, I just remember that that's why we went back. Here's what I remember. Vincent could see the, the monster and no one, no else, one could. else could. Probably so everybody else thought he was insane. crazy. Huh? That's probably because he's insane or something. Yeah. No, it... What... One of the things that I remember is that what, you know, in Doctor Who's universe, the reason that Vincent painted the way he did was because that was how he saw the world. Oh. Like the, the way we look at his paintings and go, ooh, it's all swirly and everything. No, that's just how he saw that, it. Remember the, okay, remember the scene where the he three of them are laying realism. in the grass with their heads touching and they're, and they're looking up into the starry mm-hmm. night and he's describing what he's seeing and then we start to see it on screen. Yeah. Everything's sort yeah. of oil painting swirls and everything. Yeah. And you realize that's, that that's the way how he literally perceives the world. It's the way he literally perceives yes. the world. And I think if I remember I correctly, remember that. we have since discovered a medical condition, like an, a neurological condition that, that maybe is he similar had. to that. Yeah, yeah. That, that people perceive the world in like this heightened way. And huh. so in in the Doctor Who universe, though. That's why he could see the monster. Yeah. And it was the combination of perceiving the world in a way that no one else could and he couldn't even explain and things like the monster. Well, yeah. Were part of the contributing factors for him like slowly losing grip with reality. Like they did not shy. They didn't say, oh, he didn't have mental health issues. It was just a a A monster. monster. They They said because of his mental health health issues he could see the monster um no it's that he had mental health issues and he had this other oh okay perception of the world <laughs> two um, separate and and that perception of the world negatively impacted his mental yeah. health so um uh, i guess that's another thing i remember from this episode big mental health episode of like mm-hmm. you know like be there for other people and reach out for help and, and that kind of thing um i also remember okay so first of all i remember that i cannot watch the scene with vincent hearing the art historian describing him and trying not to ball his eyes out. I am Vincent. Every time I watch that, I am trying not to ball my eyes out. Um, However, on, on the other side of that, when we think that that's going to be the thing that saves Vincent, and then we realize that they're going to keep it historically accurate and he still commits suicide. Yeah. Amy says, uh, but he does have like the best year of his life. Amy says, then it was all for nothing. We didn't help him at all. And the doctor says, no, we, we gave him some good memories. And he says, I'm going to butcher this, but we'll, we'll see it in the episode. But essentially he says, life is just a pile of good things and bad things, a, a, a pile of good things and a pile of bad things. And he says, we added to his pile of good things and, hmm. and, and adding to the pile of good things does not or recognizing the pile of good things does not mean that the pile of bad things doesn't exist. But at the same time, the pile of bad things doesn't mean that the pile of good things doesn't exist. And that, and I'm like, oh, wow. This has got, by the way, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to call it now. This has got to be a Stephen Moffat episode. Hmm, Probably. I'm not positive, but I'm calling it now. I don't remember. I bet you it's a Stephen Moffat episode. Where all of our favorites are going to end up being Stephen Moffat. It's going to be funny. And let's, by the way, let's keep that blind. Let's oh, not yeah. let, let's not look and see. Do we end up choosing consecutive Stephen Moffat episodes? Well, we've already done two. We've already, yeah. We've already um, are we are we going to do three? Will it be all the way yes. until we get to thirteen? Because he wasn't around anymore. But, wow. Um, all right, guys. So um, yeah, 
Series 5, Episode 10, Vincent and the Doctor, get your hankies. Um, don't forget about after you've balled your eyes out, there's more a-coming um, with the Doctor's speech at the end. And then after that, we're headed back into the Master Plan with another multi-Doctor episode, Curse of the Fatal Death. Uh-huh. This is the one where Mr. Bean is the Doctor. This is a, this was purely a parody. Um, this was in, I think this was in the in-between years when there was when Doctor Who was off the air. Um, we are going to see, uh, apparently the master is in this one. I didn't, I didn't oh. realize that. Um, yeah, I've the character talked about this. Song. Yeah. We're going to see, I believe five regenerations of the oh, doctor happen, um, during the course of this episode, we are going to see, and I've referenced this on the podcast before we are going to see in this farcical, you know, parody, the doctor, the 13th regeneration of the doctor show up and it's a woman. Aww. Right, right. Um, so there's people that say, no, no, no. Jody was not the first. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, is plays one of the doctors. Um, I've heard lines from this quoted. I have huh. not ever seen really a, even a full scene. I've seen very small snippets, but I've never even seen a full scene. Which, by the way, leads me to I have no idea where to watch this. Huh? I have no uh, idea. So good thing we picked it out and didn't. Look well, this is good. We've, is. Got a, we've got a week to figure that out. Hey, by the way, if I had looked it up three months ago, it would have been different by now. Well, yeah. Um, you know, someone else would have bought it. It may be in BritBox. I'm not positive. So um, this week, I'll, I'll research that. I'll have something for you on, on where to find that. You remember how I said that last week and then I didn't actually look it up, <laughs> look it up and Corbin cut that part out? Yeah, remember that? Hey, guys, Noobs in the Hoobie is a production of Master Closet Studios where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Your audio engineer is this and I'm Trip. And the production editor is that and I'm Corbin. Special thanks to memory-alpha.fandom.com for the trivia. And uh, you can find us over at um, Noobs in the Hoobian. Me and my notes are got all messed up here. Find us over at noobsinthehoobian.com where you can find links to all of our things. You can find out how to support us, subscribe, get all the full show notes, including links to the YouTube videos that I've mentioned and all those kinds of things. And guys, wherever you do find us, make sure that you subscribe, leave us a rating, share us with a friend, not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. As always, my name is Austin. I'm the Hoobie, and these are my sons, Corbin and Trip. And, and we're, we're the news. And until next time, be safe if you can be, but always be data pretending to be a poker dealer. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I don't know if there's bloopers. You'll have to just say yeah, maybe. Be